feel like Gordon Bombay would have taken his career to even further heights. Everything's flashy, everything's cocaine, everything's fun. Open wide for some soccer! I don't care what you think about, what your personal thoughts are at home. I care that you hate the Cowboys. Welcome everybody to the Sports Experience Podcast. I'm Chris, this is Dom. We're just a couple of comics talking sports uh we record right here angle studio in tucson if you're noticing us sweating or me sweating profusely it's because it's hot here in tucson where we we record all of our episodes and who do we got today today we have our first wrestling episode that's right we got the rock the rock that's right oh dang (laughs) well not really the rock uh, actual wrestling uh freestyle folk style wrestling we have probably the greatest american wrestler and maybe greatest wrestler that's ever existed in dan gable dan gable i feel like you did just say something that our fathers told us all the time growing up which was like this is real wrestling yeah right not that no not hogan this is real wrestling this is a lot of dude sweat and touching going on chris let me show you dan gable <laughs> and that's who we got today. Dan Gable, yes, born uh, October 25th, 1948 in Waterloo, Iowa, where pretty much wrestling is king along with the John Deere factory. Yeah, Iowa is definitely the uh, wrestling state here in America. The uh, acrostic Iowa idiots out walking around. What are you going to do all day? Are you going to drink? Are you going to look at corn? Or are you going to take another man to the mat? And I'll tell you what they do. They have weight classes. Even uh, in bar fights, they're like, whoa, 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 you 145? Get over there. (laughs) So Iowa is very civilized. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, growing up, though, speaking of the drinking, uh, both his parents were quite heavy drinkers. Yes. And that had a very profound effect on his childhood and um, how he was brought up. Uh, He had an older sister as well, Diane, but she was much older than he was, so he basically grew up as an only child. And uh, his father was into wrestling, like everybody was um, in Iowa, and uh, he was a heavy drinker, and he was uh, slightly abusive. Yeah, uh, dad physically abusive, mom verbally abusive. Some yes. of the stuff that she would say to him, I guess he was, uh, after one of his matches he lost, he was taking it kind of hard. Uh, I believe she called him a pansy, and also to get his ballet shoes on. Yep. So uh, uh, One time he brought a friend home, and he extended his arm to shake his dad's hand, and his dad put him in an arm bar. No, he arm dragged him. Arm so dragged him. Arm dragged him, yes. him to the ground. He arm dragged him no to the ground. No idea if he so. had any finishing moves, but still, that's not a good look. Yep. Um, Dan would talk about since he was an only child, he would basically just play by himself all the time. Yes. He would shadow box, shadow wrestle, shadow play baseball, shadow pretty much everything. Probably shadow puppets in there. Chris. Yes, so many. So he literally had this imagination going and. Some kids, you know, imagine dragons, and some kids, yeah. Are radioactive. Are radioactive. (laughs) Um, But he would imagine games. He would, like, listen to baseball games and imagine them later. And him, this is something that I kind of, you get into the psyche of him. He was just like, I never lost any of those shadow (laughs) games. So We used to do that after... uh like right before practice ended for wrestling, we'd have to shadow wrestle. The coach would turn out all the lights and you'd have to like imagine wrestling somebody else, even though you're just wrestling yourself. It's kind of crazy. But uh, he basically has a mindset where like a mindset perfect for wrestling because it is the mo- one of the most individual sports you can possibly participate in. It definitely is. You're out there on the map by yourself against somebody else. And 
imagining yourself winning and going through the motions of what you know these moves are essentially i know that sounds like i'm talking wwe but um it really helps him throughout because he really is focused on that mat yeah so he goes into high school west waterloo high school um and uh decides to be do wrestling as that was one of his dad's favorite sports and uh in 1964 his sophomore year he wins the state title at 95 pounds which is pretty darn incredible um, unfortunately, that year in 1964, on uh, Memorial Day weekend, uh, they couldn't find his sister. They couldn't find his sister. Um, they uh, were searching all over, and uh, Dan had remembered that there was a high school dropout, I guess, hanging around the house named Tom Kyle, who was emotionally unstable. And uh, it turns out that he murdered her. Yes. Yeah. So his older sister uh, basically uh, is gone ceases to be um his parents go into an absolute even further mental abyss and dan is kind of left in a very precarious position and uh kind of puts all of his focus into wrestling at this point to keep the family together and everybody sane a couple of things i found interesting about his relationship almost with his sister was he said that he was like really looking forward to his life kind of away from his parents because that's kind of what she did and broke away kind of from this yeah. constant abuse. And she was kind of like away from them um, in the sense of like moving out when you're 18. And then they, as the family, because this was a small town, so it kind of rocked this small yeah. town. And they had the the question like, are we going to move or are we going to stay here? And he said, not only are we going to stay here, but I'll move into her room. Like, I want to like, remember her. I want like, yeah. To like pay homage to her almost. And you're Keep right. Things his, as normal as possible. Yep. And his focus with wrestling, like you said, almost doubled. And this mentality that he carries through his life of just like needing to win. Yeah. I have is, to win. He's yeah. quoted as saying, because I mean, if I end up losing, who the hell knows who's going to have an emotional breakdown, including myself? Yes, exactly. Um, he wins in uh, 1965 and 1966, so three years in a row, completely undefeated in high school. And this, well, this is the other thing, though, is this is in Iowa with some of the best potential wrestlers going into college, and he is not only winning the state championships in his weight division, but he's gone undefeated. Yeah, like he, it's not that he's winning state titles. He's not losing at all, which is pretty darn incredible. So every, you know, program in the country wants him. Uh, he's recruited by basically every wrestling crazy school, but, you know, due to the situation that he was in, he wanted to stay closer to home. So he attends uh, Iowa State University, a very still wrestling craze school. So, yes, it is one of the top schools. I saw something like Oklahoma was going and Iowa obviously was trying. Like, like you said, every top wrestling program at this time was trying to bring him in. And uh, he chooses Iowa State and proceeds to dominate. Completely dominate, yeah. In 1968, wins the NCAA title. 1969, wins the NCAA title. And dating back to high school, he has won 181 wrestling matches in a row. And something I found interesting about his dominance is you see in wrestling, like a lot of guys will win by points and that kind of shit, but he's out there pinning guys. Yeah, which, pinning guys on scholarship, guys that are paid to wrestle, essentially. It, it was so obvious what 
uh, uh, just like above and beyond he was with guys in his in his division. But he was so hyper focused. Like wrestling was like his only. He had almost an autistic quality about him. Uh, his friends even described him as socially retarded. Yes, like quoting there. Whoa! But he. Uh, I don't think I think we're not supposed to use the word socially anymore. Yeah, socially. That's the that's the S word now. Chris. Communist retarded. <laughs> there <right>. you go. <laughs> Democratically um, social. <laughs> he, he I thought it was interesting because his friends he went on a date oh, one God. time in college. <laughs> um I think it was his junior, senior year in that in that time, and he said he got home at three in the morning, like he was like out partying with this girl and he had like a running yeah, six a.m. run. At yeah, six in the morning, and he he made that decision because he felt groggy all day, and he was just like, "I need to do one or the other," and his he he couldn't divide he his focus. But he dedicated his entire soul and time and everything to this one specific sport, and it definitely showed on the mat because he's dominating the hell out of everybody. Um, he would talk about running to class multiple miles each time when he was on campus, doing isometric exercises in class. Um, he had talked about one time in high school, the basketball team is playing on TV. The basketball team in the state tournament, and he's doing push-ups during the commercials. Like, this is the type of laser insane focus that it takes to be a champion in such a mentally and physically strenuous sport as wrestling. His and friend said when they would go to the movies, it would be like halfway through and he would just be like, all right, I got to go work out. It's been 45 minutes. It's it's time for me. It's like time. He I couldn't, have to. He couldn't sit through an entire movie. That's well, And in, as a freshman in high school, he asked the wrestling coach for the key to the gym. Yep. Who does that? Like, uh, that's just... Incredible. So going into 1971 in the NCAA final, uh, he's basically thought to be unbeatable. Like there's nobody that's going to take him out. He's going to finish his uh, high school collegiate career without a loss. And he ends up getting to the final match to face sophomore Larry Owings of Washington. And uh, you want to get into this one, Chris, and what happens? Well, I, uh, I thought it was interesting where Larry uh, Owings came in with a different strategy than everybody else. Everybody would play extremely defensive. They were like aware that he was kind of like a better wrestler. And he came in with the strategy of pressuring him, yep. which you Dan Gable just didn't really see that much of, and they really didn't prep for. Well, he had the perfect attitude to face someone like that because his mindset was almost, I have nothing to lose by wrestling him. Everyone expects me to go out there and get my ass beat, but he went in just thinking, I'm going to wrestle my match, and I'm going to take it to him because yeah. people are avoiding him. They're almost wrestling scared, and he wasn't scared in this match. Well, uh, something else that I found interesting that I almost, we almost didn't bring up was in his sophomore, junior, senior year, guys were either gaining weight or losing weight to not face him in their division. That's, that's how dominant he was looked at. It was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm – a really good wrestler, but there's no way I'm going to beat Dan Gable at, you know. I can win an NCAA title plus or minus seven pounds. Exactly. Like, exactly. But there's and, no chance to do it. Everyone just tried to avoid him. And uh, going into this match, um, his teammates were talking about, like, when Dan was wrestling, we weren't even really paying attention. We just assumed he would go out there and win, you know, because Iowa State at this time is also competing for a team national championship. Yes. 
and they go into the match, and Owings takes a 7-2 to two lead. Yeah, right off the bat, and they were kind of like, whoa, his teammates, they started paying attention at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, what ends up happening, there's a controversial uh, near-fall points uh, uh, situation towards the end, but Owings ends up pulling it out. He doesn't end up pinning Gable, obviously, but he ends up winning 13-11 to 11 and denying him a third straight national title. But Dan's team ends up winning the NCAA title that year. Um, the headline in uh, Iowa was Cyclones win, Gable fails, which is so horrible. Yeah. I um, mean, it, 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 they didn't say lost. They said fails. His, his college record was 117 and one. Um, his friend said when he saw that headline, he just started crying. Which, if you think about how much time and effort and energy he put into it, just to have that in big, bold face type has to crush your soul. Yep. Like, that has to just be completely ridiculous. Um, there was a story about how afterwards... Uh, he thought, well, if I failed at this, I'd better start drinking. And when his mom found out, she drove about 100 miles to find him, slap him in the face, and tell him to grow up. Which, I mean, it, it had to have been just heart-wrenching. And somebody said this, which it's one of these things in sports where if they wrestled 10 times, Dan would have won nine of them. Well, yeah, and I'll, uh, getting into his international career, um, I'm going to bring the bring this up. Um, he is in the uh, World Championships in uh, Bulgaria in seventy one, seventy one, and uh, wins six and zero at one hundred forty nine and a half pounds. And then in the seventy one Pan Am Games, he in Colombia also goes six and zero and dominates. And the following year, he draws Larry Owings again in the uh, Olympic trials and kicks the shit out of him. Yes, and that's what people are saying. They were just like, you can see it wasn't, and nothing against Owens, but Owings, but you could see it was Dan Gable losing that match, not necessarily. This was the uh, Dan Gable's revenge tour, I um, feel like. <laughs> I, I believe it was in the world championships. He was dominating people so much that countries petition to have him drug tested three times that was at the olympics that was at the olympics yeah because people were just like as particularly all of the eastern Bloc countries where all of their people are juicing they're like he can't be doing this to us we're already cheating so let's get into the 72 olympics because it is quite the amazing feat when you look at and this is the thing that everybody said about Dan Gable in, in wrestling is he was kind of a step above everybody in his era in his weight class. Well, when you, when you look at the type of mental and physical discipline this guy had, I mean, that's just what it was. Like, it's that extra effort that just led him to being head and shoulders above everybody. But uh, in the 72 Olympics, uh, they're drug testing him. Um, he's wrestling one of the... Uh, uh, a guy from the Soviet Union, and he turns the crowd in his favor, like in Rocky Four. Well, it's it's they they can recognize how dominant he was, and I saw somebody say this. They were like, he was beating guys, and he was coming off the mat, and he wasn't sweating or like breathing yeah. hard or like you know what I mean. He was literally like, yeah, yeah, no, these guys aren't as good as you know. He was probably just like, this is why I'm here. Like, this is why I'm here. He didn't even allow a single point. No, no and points only t- to be scored against him. And they tried to disqualify him for having a cut on his eye, too. They're thinking, well, if we can't beat yeah, him, we were. can just take him out this way. 
But uh, he ends up winning the gold medal in six 72. and zero. Six and zero. So no points. Um, I saw this. His his teammates tried to carry him off. Yeah. He told them to get to let him down because he came here to win and he won. So it wasn't like he was. It wasn't like he was just like yeah yeah no we'll celebrate. But this wasn't anything that I thought wasn't going to, like, I, I knew was, this was going to yeah, happen. It's like, I was favored, Yeah, you know? Like, it's not like I pulled off any upsets. I was Not the 86 Mets up here. Come yeah, on. No, and not going on the airplane and throwing cake and doing some nose candy. That's delicious, not Dan Gable's style. Delicious cake. Delicious cake. Um, so he gets back, and uh, he's a national hero yeah, in America. Because this is when uh, people watch the Olympics, and uh, the Cold War was going on. Uh, he's making appearances on the Dick Cabot Show, and, you know, there's really nowhere else to go at this point, because, uh, you know... Wrestlings, no... yeah. And he's not going to, you know, WWE it, though if he fought the Nature Boy, I bet you he'd kick his ass. Man, that would have been awesome. Oh, that would have been great. Where's your wooing now there, Flair? But, uh, so he goes into coaching and everyone's assuming, oh, he's just going to coach at Iowa State because that's where he went to school and that's where he made a name for himself. And that didn't happen, Chris. Um, I saw something, not, he didn't say this, but it was like a family member said that he wanted to coach at Iowa State and they were just not receptive to that. They didn't think he was going to be like a great coach or he was going to be like easy to work with or so they they kind of were like yeah they no. kind of hemmed and hawed and yes. like dawdled on kind of giving him an offer and another school jumped in and said we want you to be the coach of our wrestling program for the next 30 years and he said okay and that was the university of iowa so in 1976 he joins the hawkeyes and they proceed to be awesome he turns out to be arguably one of the greatest coaches in any sport in ncaa history well this is something that i found so interesting as people talk about him like kind of changing the sport as a wrestler and people are like looking at his college and high school like wow he changed it so much as a coach that's what i feel like his legacy even though as the, as a wrestler you can't even deny anything he's done as a coach he i mean is the greatest wrestling coach ever when he's still relatively young and he's pushing these kids to their you know physical emotional and spiritual limits in the gym basically, and on the mat, and it's that mentality, Dan Gable's my coach, I don't want to let him down and not give 110%. Well, I saw this, and I thought it was kind of interesting because somebody was talking about, like, I don't know how the guys who play for Stan Van Gundy really get excited about it because it's this guy just being like, guys, get out there. Go, go <laughs> shoot Looking it. like shoot Ron it. Jeremy. And I thought about this with Dan Gable because literally if you're doing something wrong, he literally will go on the mat and just like fuck you up. And you're just like, all right, I'm sorry, coach. I'm sorry. Um, Iowa becomes the standard of wrestling. It's like the mecca of wrestling, essentially. And before this, it was very competitive in the sense that you didn't know necessarily who was going to be national champions. There were, you know, five, six big programs, kind of like yeah. that kind of shit. I mean, it's interchangeable. I mean, you have your top tier programs yes, kind of switching in and out. Not like this, where yeah. he proceeds to win nine 
and not him, but his teams proceed to win nine consecutive team NCAA Division I championships. We're not talking a three-peat or a four-peat or even a five-peat. We're talking minimum nine-peat We're here. talking a 69-peat. <laughs> so. so they go to the 87 um, national championships, and uh, they're going for 10 in a row. And they even have X's, the Roman numeral for 10 on their jersey or on their singlet and on, on their, their apparel and stuff like that. And much like 1970, it all comes crashing down. And who does it to them? Oh, those Cyclones from Iowa State end up shitting in their apple pie. Which is such an interesting Spider turn web. of Yes, just such an interesting turn of events, especially with him. And he talks about this where he was just like, how could it not be the last wrong, the last you know yeah. thing that I need that we lose? It was just like my college career. It was just like this. And people were saying, like, yeah, nobody's done nine consecutive championships. Right. And his thing was, yeah, but I wanted 10. Nobody won 100, what, 17 in a row yeah. in college only to lose the last one. And that's what everyone kind of focused. And it's like all that lost in the shuffle is the amazingness of Dan Gable as a wrestler and a wrestling coach. And the uh, man that really pushed the sport. You know, that's what I think everybody kind of needs to look at is not just on the mat, but off the mat. Like we were saying, like he trained so hard. He was just so much more of an athlete than a lot of these guys at that time. He was invested with every like fiber of his being, basically, I feel like, when it came to just the sport of wrestling. Um, so they have a few down years towards the end of the 80s. But then in 1991, they proceed to win five titles in the next six years. Yep. <laughs> That's just, ridiculous. Just back to dominance. That's it, It's such a... Like it, like I was saying, his college career as a wrestler is great. I feel like as a coach, he was so ridiculously great. I, I can't imagine what it would be like to wrestle for him. I would be afraid. I would just not afraid yes. as far as wrestling, but like if I don't give a hundred percent, not only am I disappointed in myself, I've disappointed the father of the sport. If we didn't win that D one national championship. Oh my God! Yeah, it's like I didn't. I don't necessarily have to win a national championship individually, but if I'm not racking up points at these national tournaments, then well, to put it in perspective, he in one of his you know speeches at the end of his career, he didn't bring up all the times that the guys won. He brought up like four or five guys that like yeah. he was just like this guy should have won a national championship, like it. it that's how it it bugged him so he much. He didn't have any sons. Those were his sons over the almost 30-year period that he yep. coached. Like, it meant so much to him for all for of guys, guys to, to succeed. Yes. No, he, he was one of those coaches that he cared more than just on the mat kind of thing. Yeah, like, he wasn't, like, just going back home after every day going, like, well... Yeah, it was a good season. No, no, he was, yeah, he cared more. He, I mean, he cared so much. It was ridiculous. Um, so in December 96, he uh, has to have a hip replacement after an injury. Um, so this is his last year at Iowa, 96-97. Uh, well, it's one of those things when, and this is an injury that you always hear, is like when you break a hip, you're kind of done. Yeah, like Bo Jackson almost. Well, Bo's was a little different. He dislocated yeah. it. He was still fucking. 
Yeah, he was. Bo was out there. I'm just saying. Bono's fucking Chris. I think he might have been like 52 or 48 or one of those. But I'm just saying, like, you break that hip at that old age and you're pretty done. Yeah, so they were going for their 15th title in 21 years. Yep. And uh, that season they rack up and he's like still in like a leg brace and everything in a crutch. They score 170 total team points in the NCAA tournament, which was a record. And... uh, End up winning another national championship. His he goes 15th. out on top. Yeah. I saw that he was in the stands with his crutches, and one of his guys did something. Um, he was like losing, and he like hobbled out there and called the ref <laughs> over and just gave the ref a bunch of shit with his crutches, and then hobbled <laughs> back onto the stands. Um, Fifteen national championships as a team—it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, one hundred fifty-two All-Americans, forty-five um, uh, national champions of that. 106 Big Ten champions, 12 Olympians, 8 medalists, 21 Big Ten team titles, 15 national titles, and he was the head coach of three Olympic teams and six world teams. Yeah, that was the other thing is he was uh, in, involved in the Olympic as a, uh, in the Olympics as a coach, and and a bunch of his guys went on to be Olympians and medalists, and like he he was just like the guy in wrestling i mean even now you bring up his name and that's what you was like if you had asked a random person on the street about collegiate wrestling that's probably the first and only name you might even think of yeah so dan gable in uh, 2020 he was awarded the presidential medal of freedom so how's about them apples yep by uh, david hasselhoff brought it down gave it to him he was looking for freedom and he He found it with dan gable beating all the communists in their wrestling he said it he said you know what that wall came down because of me and because of you. <laughs> Absolutely. Dan Gable, Dan everybody. Gable.